Chaplin. <laughs> Welcome to the market. Hi. Go ahead and park it. Hope that you are starving. Debbie Roots Deep got me thinking it's a parsnip. Every week I get knowledge to go. A year before everyone, how did they know? Figuring how they go college to pros. I pop it on listen and now I'm the pro. I'm still trying to grow. And they do the same. Hundreds of teams, too many to name. And yet they are filtering everything. Only the best, Shane Hallaman Kane. Marketplace, marketplace. Debbie is everything, marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Market Marketplace, marketplace, Debbie is everything marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane Chain and Ellie back with you again. We're gonna talk a little bit about week three. We are gonna talk about probably my favorite topic, which is kind of what goes into valuating players at the Debbie level, what we can expect from those values to rise or fall in the future. And what we can look for trading them for NFL assets. So all of that is going to be on the on today's show. We're going to do the history minute as always, and we're going to do a buy sell unknown stock at the end. Uh, so we got a packed episode for you today. Um, Shane, how you feeling? Ohio State, Trevion Henderson hurt. Do we know what that injury is yet? Uh, we're still still working through it. I, it doesn't seem like it's anything super bad, but they might hold him out against Wisconsin. So hopefully won't be too much of a problem. I don't think you'll need him against Wisconsin. Yeah. So he's in a boot. He said he'll be back soon. I'm hopeful. I, I, I do. Th- I do think high state's run defense is not great. I, th- I think it's going to be problematic. Well, the nice part for you is Wisconsin's offensive line is not great. That's, that's fair. Probably the worst offensive line that they've had in eight years, 10 years. Like they're, they're struggling, uh, especially yeah, against quality opponents. Luckily we have a defensive tackle. It's getting comp to Aaron Donald. So I'm hopeful. <laughs> is that oh, that'll be easy to up to? My, my ask Garrett's the, uh, I think cutting the NFL now. Mike Hall. Uh, true oh, I tried to say a defensive player's name. But yeah, good. <laughs> Look, he existed. He was at a high state at one point, so it's a win. It's also on my pinnacle team. Um, how do you feel about over Ohio State overall? Are they going to run the table in the Big Ten? Uh, I, I think they have a shot. Uh, I think they're heating up, but it's like Ohio State to mess up at some point and they're going to have a couple close games. Ten championship. Right, right. I mean, I, I'm sure Muhammad Ibrahim's got 300 yards, and he's coming back over. for blood against Ohio State. <laughs> he's go, he's coming. I mean, have him come back for a seventh year, you know. Uh, he's already used his medical and his red shirt, so I think we're toast here. Yeah, fair. Uh, Nelly, what do you see? Week three, college football. I think we saw some good running backs. Really, proof that they were good. Nick Singleton. Top freshman running back by many, most proved it this weekend. He's so explosive. He can, I mean, he's blown so many carries. Just he hits the edge and he's he's outrunning everyone. Zach Evans looked really good. Bijan proved that he's Bijan. Um, uh, Jameer Gibbs catching passes like we know he can. Like all the top names, all the top names kind of proved why they're up there. Sean Tucker proving why he's not a top name. 
Um, it, it did have it all, Nelly. Uh, <laughs> Unnecessary shot. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pass the Purdue test. Not many do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think another thing we saw, obviously, other than a go for win, um, I think you saw kind of some underclassmen and even some guys that, you know, we didn't necessarily like have highly, but had good talent really start to find, find things out. Right. Rakeem Jarrett is getting better. Um, Jalen McMillan, McMillan from Washington, better. Kirk Cousins just threw an interception, better. You know, like there were some guys that like had kind of been falling down because they didn't have either good quarterback production to kind of help them out a little bit or didn't have like a good team around them. So there wasn't really a chance for them to actually showcase their talent. So I think all of that together, we're going to see some really interesting players. Like I think Jalen McMillan is not only a buy. I think I probably have talked about him before, but I think you could be looking at a guy where people wonder, how did this guy become a top 100 pick? in the NFL draft. It's like, well, he never had a good quarterback. Ever. Like, and Pinnock isn't great, but like he's better than anything he's had. So I, I think that's what we saw, and it's really, really exciting. Shane, any other takeaways? No, I, I think it's fair. Um, you know, I'll say another takeaway guy that we all know is Jordan Addison. I think he has proven that he is a firm first round pick and like the fact that he's done this since day one, I, you know, I think we were kind of tenuous on his upside. Uh, his up, he's proven me his upside is tremendous. And so I moved him way up my rankings um, at, on the Debbie marketplace discord. You can get them in the secret shopper program, but I moved him way up um, to my number eight Debbie player. Uh, I think, I, I think he's, he's a stud. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. Um, I can tell you right about now that I'm ready to get hurt again by Eric Gray. Like he, he, he made I, I released the seven round mock draft this week. He made the mock draft. He's in the seventh round, so he's moving up. <laughs> like there you he, go. That's a win. He he played like he did at Tennessee. Right? I don't know what happened last year if it was just bad confidence or terrible like coaching right. or, or what have you, but like he looked like he did at Tennessee again. And hey, anything was better than last year, right? They didn't play Nebraska every week last year. I think that's what it was. Yeah, they played worse teams, and he still couldn't do anything. So, not great. Um, I think it's funny that Frost got fired. Yeah, but, and their interim just fired their defensive coordinator after this past weekend. Rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we've got, we got a lot. To... What's up? I was just going to follow up on Shane's comment. I, I agree with him on Addison. I think there's been some talk um, about maybe some worry creeping in for this 23 receiver class as a whole. And I think we've got to slow that down just a little bit. Jason's been hurt. Booty's got, I mean, awful quarterback play, but I, I think he'll come and around. A bad coach. Yeah. And a bad coach. Um, but I think he'll come around, and I think the talent there is undeniable, and he's already proved that. And I, I think there's still some solid peripheral pieces. I mean, 
Burton struggled a little bit. We've talked about that. Quentin Johnston has struggled, but Downs was good when he was healthy. Um, and I, I don't panic on these guys quite yet. Yeah, like let them get into, you know, their conference play at least a little bit. Um, we should figure out some more, some more stuff. And we're always going to see some random running back, or excuse me, some random wide receiver from some school that most people don't know about do things, right? It could be Sakari Franklin. It could be, you know, some other wide receiver. So don't hold all of that out yet. Um, some guys are going to be playing better. But let's dive into the main topic here. We want to talk about, you know, some... I'm just going to read the prompt that uh, kind of got me to think about this. Um, it was shout out to the guys over in the Dynasty and Chill uh, chat. Um, shout out to Scott Connor good friend of ours. Um, so someone said, new to Devi, trying to understand player valuation. How do you value a running back likely to declare and possibly get meaningful draft capital, possibly like a guy like Sean Tucker or Zach Evans? Trying to gauge how to look at that possibility or uncertainty, given the lower flexibility as an asset compared to ambiguous picks. What tier of current NFL running back are you willing to swap straight up for a guy like that if you're trying to compete. Um, so I think there's three parts to this. I think the first thing is trying to understand the difference between a Devi asset and just a normal pick in a dynasty draft, right? That's kind of the first thing. The second thing is how do you value individual players is the second thing. And the third is that one for one swap and how to kind of go about making those moves. Uh, so let's just dive into it, Shane. When we kind of look at the differences between Devi and Dynasty, obviously we're kind of stuck with an individual asset, right? That asset can either go up or go down. Much different compared to a draft pick, right? Like a draft pick, we know that there's going to be a large group of players at that pick. You're not locked into a single person at that time period. How does that kind of change the way that you look at valuing those two things uh, compared to each other? Well, I, I think to me, the Devi asset itself is generally worth less. You know, unless you have a player who is rock solid 100%, you know, is going to get the draft capital like a B. John Robinson, um, the, the player's worth less. Because like you said, Kane, with the pick, if things go south for the player you wanted at the 103, you can pick someone else at the 103. But if Zach Evans, you know, for whatever reason, off-field concerns, injury falls to the sixth round of the NFL draft, well, you know, you just lost all that value uh, for nothing. You can't swap it for anything. So I, th so I think that's the key. I, I think when you have a player and you're trying to determine, okay, uh, if I want to trade for this Debbie player, you're inheriting some risk. There has been... Plenty of Debbie players, all of us who feel we're pretty good at this, have liked and valued highly, who have bottomed out and never had any NFL fantasy value. It happens. Um, it could happen to a, it could happen to a Zach Evans or a Sean Tucker. It could. I don't think it will, but it could. So you're taking on that risk, and then you're also taking on the, you know, similar to a pick, a lack of production for a year. Um, maybe two years, maybe one of these guys goes back to school, you know, at least 2023 first, I know I'm getting a player in 2023. 
that's not always the case with Debbie. Even if you are pretty sure, think that it will, we've seen guys go back to school that we did not expect um, so that happens. So I think that's why Debbie players are generally valued less than NFL players that should be similar. You know, if Zach Evans or Sean Tucker get top 50 draft capital, then they're going to be top 10 dynasty running backs, but you're inheriting a lot of risk to take them on um, to try to get there. Nellie, do you have thoughts about that? Yeah, I think Shane's spot on. I mean, I think I think when you're playing regular dynasty, something that's so great about picks is they're so insulated, right? Like you can sit on them. They're not going to drastically fall in value. Like it's value that's locked in. And it's so polar opposite with Devi players. Um, they have all the 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 downside of a regular player in terms of they can perform poorly, have their value drop, they can get injured and they can have their value drop, but they're not scoring you fantasy points in the meantime. So like you need to value them lower than you would picks and, and rightfully so. Um, That being said, there are, there are opportunities like, I don't think that means you go as far as like never rostering Devi players in a Devi league. Um, there are there are, there are places that you can pick and choose where you can gain value on guys. You can hold on to guys and it's worth it. But be careful overvaluing guys uh, solely because you see the upside without recognizing the downside of holding on to a guy who's not actually he's who's not actively providing you any value. And we'll kind of talk about kind of that a little bit later as well when we when we kind of talk for what we would trade for an NFL asset like straight up. Uh, but we want to get to the second part of the question, right? And that's the main reason why I created this podcast, right? And the main reason why the three of us talk about these values all the time is how do you value a player, right? What goes into valuing a player? And how can people utilize that to bet on the right players? So, Shane, feel free. Go at it. <laughs> it's, it's a loaded question. Yeah, it's a big one. Lots of answers. Because I, I think a lot of Debbie players, myself included, um, and Kane, this is something I think you do much better than I do, is I, I think we always want the Debbie guys. You know, we want to look ahead. We want to dr- get the young guys. But oftentimes, trading the Debbie player for – their NFL ceiling, something Kane has talked about often. You know, if you are trading that for their ceiling asset, then, you know, you're going to get that fantasy production. I think to me, it's about if I want to trade for a Debbie player, if I want to trade for this Zach Evans, this Sean Tucker, um, you know, it's about gathering as much value as I can, inheriting the risk and getting the upside. You know, it's why in Debbie leagues, when I'm all in on rebuilding, my team's awful. I'm going to trade for a number of Debbie players or picks. I'm trying to get volume. Um, And I think that works out a little bit better sometimes. So if we're looking at kind of specific trade value, if you're a, you know, rebuilding team, um, it's about, can I, can I find an NFL producer now? that when I, my team is ready to compete will not be an NFL producer and trade him for similar. So for example, for say Zach Evans, if, it, if the team that's competing has Zach Evans, um, 
then can I trade Leonard Fournette for him? You know, can, can I can I make that the offer? Can I make that deal? I think that's where you want to look. Is if I want to get younger, I want to inherit a little more risk. Let me trade away the players that in two years when I can't compete probably aren't helping me. That's usually how I look at trying to acquire Debbie players on my team. So hopefully that made sense. Um, but that's usually how I approach it. Yeah, and I think the other thing that that you really have to mention when we're trying to view this whole roster construction in a Debbie league, right? We have to understand that not only when we're accruing players, but we're accruing additional picks. Those picks are multiple years out. And not just multiple years out from like getting to the NFL. You could be multiple years from them having significant playing time in college football. Right? So you're even farther out, right? You're taking more risk, a lot more risk. That's why multiple years down the road, picks aren't as valuable. Because you have more and more risk. I think the best thing that you can possibly do if you're just starting a Devi league is always have a combined rookie and Devi pool, splitting them up um, doesn't help anyone. So always combine them. I think that just makes a, the commissioner's life easier and B, I think it makes the players that might not know as much about Devi um, additional ammo to trade a little bit more. Um, so make sure you do that. Nelly, what are your thoughts on kind of this topic of like viewing players or valuing players, I should say. Yeah, so I think in, if if you're like looking at trades and and you're trying to figure out how to value your Devi assets, I think you got to try and normalize them. And what I mean by that is find a similar scale that you're more comfortable with that you can kind of quantify your player your Devi assets values to like a, a normal NFL pick. Now, one way I try and do this is. I consider I'm in a I'm in a dynasty startup right now with Devi players included. Where would these Devi assets go? Where would the NFL assets go? And if they're in a similar range, I think that's a similar sort of trade value. Now, if you're asking yourself, well, where would those Devi players go? For me, what I kind of try and do is I gather all the information possible on a player. I'll, I'll I'll look at their profile, maybe what they're projected to do throughout the rest of college, what the projected draft capital is, and look at that as if that's a kind of put-together rookie profile. And then almost evaluate them as a rookie with no NFL experience, but we have kind of their profile and their, and their therefore, expectations from them. But then you also have to discount it because – there's a downside that those uh, expectations don't come to fruition. And also you have to wait a couple of years for it. So it's like compile all that information that you can kind of put, put all those pieces together, normalize it and, and just try and get it to a point where the value is like a, or the conversation of value is something that you're more comfortable with. Right. The value conversation isn't easy. Right, that's why we try to talk about it as much as possible. And every league, the value is a little bit different, right? Depending on the number of drafted devies in each league, right? How how deep is your league? And then we start thinking about C two C leagues, right? Where you could have your college players scoring points and getting you potential money on on the college side as well. So, if we just stick to the devy side chain. Uh, trying to figure out how to trade NFL or excuse me, Devi players for NFL players 
I what's your method? Because I have I have two methods that I try to go by. Um, what what are some tips that you can share? Yeah, I'll, I'll say kind of similar to what Nelly said. Um, I am I almost try to look at Debbie mock drafts, or you know, we're, we're doing them in our Discord often, or um, you know, Debbie rankings, things like that, and equating those to what the rookie draft picks would be right so like if at this point zach evans probably around the 2023 103 to 106 so that's you know i I play a lot of dynasty i still play a lot of dynasty i'm more comfortable with i know what the 2023 first of 106 is worth you know I, i feel good about that so if i can equate zach evans i'll usually because of the year because of the inherent risk i'll buck on the lower end and say, okay, Zach Evans worth the 106 in next year's rookie draft. What would I be willing to trade for that? You know, what what would I be willing to move for that pick? And I, I, I think there's a lot. Now, like we've talked about, you're inheriting more risk because he could fall off and not be that. But that's usually my first approach. If I want to dra- you know, trade a Debbie player, trade one away, uh, I feel more comfortable in those dynasty terms. And I feel more comfortable in those dynasty rookie draft terms. And so I'll look at that. I'll look at, you know, if it's, if it's a player down the line, 2024, 2025, like you said, Kane, why future picks are worth less. But, you know, if a guy I think is going to be 2024, you know, 109, 110, I'm looking at a, a Raheem Sanders, someone like that, then that's what I'm equating it to. And those 2024s are worth less than 2023. So that's, that's usually my first approach. Um, and I'll kind of go off of that and it helps me quantify value. Nelly, how do you kind of go about the uh, the trades when you're trying to get NFL assets? Yeah, so I think a big thing, what whichever side you're on here is, if you're trading, if there's a a, a locked in NFL stud involved of some sort, whether it's an old guy, a young guy, that's guaranteed production. And so I think in order to counteract that multiple Debbie assets need to be going back in the other direction to kind of counteract the uncertainty. So if you're trading away a guy who who holds a ton of value in Dynasty, you need to be getting a bunch of Debbie assets back so that you're taking multiple shots at, at hitting a, a high range of outcomes. Because if you just have one asset, then you have to basically hit the high range of outcomes to even come close to a return on the value that you traded away. So I think that's a big thing with Debbie is I'm always trying to, I think quantity is key. Like I think accumulating Debbie assets is important if you're, if you're trading for them and vice versa, I think you could use that sort of reasoning, that sort of logic. If you're sending uh, Debbie trades for NFL players, you can include multiple pieces. And I, I think that's a more, um, acceptable trade from from the other side i think that's a pretty generic concept so for me there's two main ways i go about this right the first is um what do i think a player's ceiling is right um that's definitely a conversation that that i like to have um let's let's just grab a shane let's grab a player from the 23 class let's say i don't know a jordan addison right um what would jordan addison's potential ceiling be oh jeepers 
<laughs> a fire truck just went by my house. That doesn't happen often in a small town. Yeah. Um, so kind of the conversation of what would that potential ceiling be for a guy like Jordan Addison? I think realistically you're looking at a guy like Michael Pittman. Right? Michael Pittman maybe a little bit higher potentially. You could be looking at a guy... Um, I don't know who's who's worth a little bit more than Michael Pittman. Yeah, I mean, I th- maybe Jalen Waddle. You know, I think that yeah. range is fair. You know, um, so kind of like right in that range, right? So if someone is willing to uh, trade me Jalen Waddle or Michael Pittman for Jordan Addison, I would do that in a heartbeat, right? Because I no longer have the inherent risk, right? I could just go ahead and and make that trade. And sure, it doesn't work out all the time, right? When Rashad Bateman was a sophomore in college, I was trading Rashad Bateman for Allen Robinson. And sure, like, it didn't work out exactly because some things happened on the NFL side, like he went to the Bears, right? That that just completely tanks his value. Um, like, that's going to happen. There's still in some risk on the NFL side, right? Still the risk of injury, still the risk of going to a, a team where the system changes, um, all of those things, right? But if I can trade straight up for my ceiling player, I'm going to do that, right? Um, I think then I think the other way is, um, you know, if I'm trading an NFL talent for a Devi player, let's say I'm trading a, a tier two wide receiver, let's say a guy like, I don't know, a guy that has been doing well, I don't know. Let's take a Mike Evans, right? We know he's suspended for a week, kind of brings the value down a little bit, at least for a this year basis. If I am trying to trade him for a Devi asset, let's say I target a guy like a Mecca Ibuka, right? Um, I know that Mike Evans in a straight Devi league is worth a little bit more than a Mecca Ibuka, right? So I would be trying to get Ibuka plus a wide receiver three or four, right? So at least I have the stop gap that gives me a little more value and a little more production for this current season. So that trade could look something like um, like maybe a Julio Jones and a Mecca Buca is what I trade Mike Evans for, right? Because then I'm getting a little bit of this year production paired with that future so that's like a potential trade that i would be looking at to hopefully you know kind of make things a little bit easier for me yeah and i think to i think that's a great way to approach it i think to nelly's point you know could i trade mike evans for basically a bunch of these high ceiling wide receivers that are debbie can i trade mike evans for uh, a pull of emeka buka rakeem jarrett and zay flowers you know, give me those three for Mike Evans, right? And if one of them hits, that works out for me. If I wasn't competing anyway, Mike Evans is going to be 31 by the time I'm competing. You know, mm-hmm. so I think you can take either approach because I think both approaches work depending on where your team's at. Um, but I like both of those. Nelly, do you have any more thoughts before uh, about this whole topic in general? Um. I think kind of the reverse because I feel like everything I've said has kind of been anti holding on to Debbie assets. But if you're a team that needs, like if you're not a, a team that is constantly competing, 
you have to take shots on on risk, uh, and that that entails both upside risk and downside risk. So if you can flip these wide receivers that are 28, 29, um, for these young wide res- for these young Debbie assets, that's a good thing because we know who these 28, 29 year old wide receivers are. So while there's a chance that they're that the Debbie asset never hits their heights, there's also a chance that the Debbie asset exceeds their heights. So when you have these opportunities to, and you need to take on that risk um, by picking up these Debbie assets. Right. Like we, we know who Robert Woods is. We know who Adam Thielen is, right? We know who Keenan Allen is. We, we know who these guys are. So if there's a chance when I'm not competing that maybe I just end up trading them straight up for maybe a guy like, I don't know, Jalen McMillan, Troy Franklin, right? Like a one for one. It's like, I know I'm not competing, and if I can move off of Adam Thielen and go straight up, well, that probably benefits me because if the Vikings ever want to be good again and not, and maybe put up a few points, um, maybe Adam Thielen is the recipient of those. And if I'm trying to, for my team to be a little bit worse, I'm not going to hold on to these really aged guys and hope that the 31-year-old Adam Thielen is, is the hope for my fantasy football team when I'm ready to compete, right? Um, I'm not going to take that bet. I would rather uh, try to find some of these young guys and hope for guys that, that are going to uh, have some value gains. And if you're looking for specific pieces that have value gains, the first thing that you can look at um, is, I don't know, quite a few people have some analytics out there. Nelly does on our channel. Um, you can look at target shares, right? Target shares is a pretty, is a relatively sticky stat. Um, on if they're going to perform, not only perform, but even get draft capital, right? People that tend to get draft capital tend to, you know, have a pretty solid target share. And people that tend to get drafted well, um, they tend to do better in the NFL than other guys, right? Um, So that's one thing that you can look at. You can look at um, specific stats that are going to kind of show you that, oh, I have a better chance of drafting a running back in a power five school at a major school than drafting one out of a G5 and just hoping that he gets drafted. Right? If you're deciding between those two things, probably take the bet on the guy that's going to play more important games with better coaching. That's usually kind of my thought. Um, so those are just a few things that you can look at. Nelly, how about you? Yeah, I just I just wanted to add one more thing. I think something with Debbie Leagues that's always just worth trying is go and acquire those fourth, fifth round picks. Especially if they're these uh if they're the rookie Debbie combined drafts. You can get some like very quality Debbie assets late in those drafts. And if you can buy them as if they're rookie fourth, fifth round picks, you're getting a steal in terms of just building up that quantity of Devi assets, as I was mentioning, you just want as many as possible. So if you're picking up those late picks, it's, it's absolutely worth it. Like if you were in a, a draft right now, right in that fourth, fifth round, you could have been drafting guys like, um, you Raheem know, Sanders, Jar- Raheem Sanders, Jarquez Hunter. Um, you could have drafted Jalen McMillan, Troy Franklin, um, Kendall Milton, Yeah, there's a lot of uh, solid quality guys out there, right? And especially when you're in a super flex league, quarterbacks are going to go crazy early um, because everyone wants to have a share of of that next quarterback that's going to hit. 
Um, so instead of getting caught up in um, this quarterback got first round draft capital in this mock draft craze, uh, just take the better players that are out there that might be running backs or wide receivers that are actually going to make your team better. Shane, any any final thoughts before you teach us something about history? No, I think it's all good advice. Um, I think there, there's no perfect path because Debbie, uh, I think it's getting less niche, but there's still less people involved and a lot less people talking about value like we are. So I'll, always don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to take a chance. I think that's the one thing that gets me with Debbie Leagues is like people are so gun shy about selling an asset, whether it be a Debbie or an NFL player, you know, take some shots, have some fun with it. That's kind of the point of Debbie trade, trade for some guys, trade for some extra picks, trade for some young players, you know, try it out and get a feel for value. That's what it's going to take. The, the reason why Debbie leagues were invented, right. Is so people could take shots on college players earlier. So go ahead and take those shots, right? Make fantasy football fun. That's kind of the goal. However, it's fun for you. Go ahead and do it. Uh, but Shane, go ahead and teach us something. Yeah, so I, I'm going to talk about uh, an FBI agent named Robert Hansen. In 1979, he uh, worked for the FBI, offered up his services to the Soviets as a spy because he, he was broke. So middle of the Cold War, he offers this up uh, to the Soviets. And he kind of rose up the ranks of the FBI. So the FBI in the late eighties saw that they were having a problem. Like a lot of information was getting out. So in 1987, they appointed Robert Hansen. He was in charge of studying and figuring out who the mole was, who was a Soviet spy. So they literally put the guy in charge who was the mole to find the mole. Uh, and of course he, he did not find himself. Ah. Uh, you know, how, how does that happen? But um, he, he, was a spy all the way through the early 2000s for the Russians. The FBI kind of started figuring it out in 2000. Then in 2001, they paid $7 million to a Russian contact for an audio tape and the fingerprints of the mole. Um, and they still wouldn't have figured it out. But on the tape, he quoted General George Patton with a pretty racist quote about Japanese people. And he had said that in the FBI office before. They're like, wow, it, it's definitely this dude. Um, and so he he's currently serving 15 life sentences in federal prison. But, uh, you know, the FBI did put him in charge of finding himself at one point. I like that a lot. Just one of those wild stories. That's a hoot. Also, I've been learning about this feller named D.B. Cooper. Have you ever looked into that? Yeah, man. That's, that's, wild. Wild. that's a wild story. Um, so look into that if if you haven't. That's a hoot. Or I'll, or we'll just make Shane teach us about DB Cooper. Yeah, we can we can do a little DB point. Cooper next week. Uh, let's get into our buy, sell, and unknown stocks here. Nelly, go after it. Go get it. Yeah, uh, I am going to buy. And actually, Shane mentioned this guy on our on our secret chopper second pot. I'm gonna buy Dane Key, wide receiver, Kentucky freshman. Um, I believe he's been the most productive freshman in the country so far, receiver. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, but even if he hasn't, he's been very productive. I think he's had a touchdown every game. He came in as a deep threat. I think he was only a three-star recruit, but um, all reports out of Kentucky instantly were that that he would be playing right away, and he's proven 
proven that to be true. He, he's got good speed. He can take the top off the defense, but also he's been working. He scored like a slant route this past weekend. So uh, showing that as a true freshman is impressive. And Will Levis as polarizing as a prospect as he is, they're, they're going to get eyeballs on that, on that program and on that offense. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's going to have a chance to rise here. Um, I will sell, I will sell Jermaine Burton wide receiver at Alabama. Now I, I did say don't panic on this class, but I am slightly worried about him to the point where I'd potentially sell now just from a value perspective. I think he's still seen as the alpha in that offense, um, but he really hasn't proven to be so far. Um, he's not really shown to be particularly dynamic either is yards per reception is low and they're starting to work to Brooks back into that offense. And, and I think he's still talented enough to make a dent there. So um, yeah, I, I'd be selling him now. My unknown I'll revisit a name. I just mentioned my unknown is Will Levis. I'm starting to come around on him a little bit. He's, he's shown some improvement in his efficiency this year, which is needed. He still needs to improve more. Um, but I think there comes a point where, this draft buzz is hard to ignore and the tools are hard to ignore, right? Like he's, he's big, he's got a strong arm and he runs. Uh, he's not the most dynamic on the ground, but he runs, he's tough on the ground. He shows a desire to run. And so for fantasy football, I, that's valuable. It's worth keeping an eye on, especially if he gets that draft capital. But at the same time, I'm still not convinced that that draft capital is real. I feel like that's just all like an elaborate prank made up by the media. So I'm, I'm not really sure. Nelly or uh, Shane, how about you? Yeah, so my buy, uh, I've mentioned him a couple times already in the pod, is Jordan Addison. I think he's undervalued Debbie wise. You know, I, I think I would sell, sell Quinn Ewers for him. Uh, I think they're closer in value than should be. Maybe I could get a little on top. Um, I, I think I'd sell Rashad Bateman for Addison plus something else, kind of like we talked about. You know, get, get the Debbie asset that's probably going to have similar value to Bateman in a year. And get an NFL asset wide receiver three. Um, I, I think his his value is as insulated as anyone in this class. My sell kind of a two for uh, two quarterbacks going in different directions. Who I think have similar value right now is Drake May, the quarterback in North Carolina, and Anthony Richardson, the quarterback of Florida. Like if I can move them for either of them for a you know a Raheem Sanders. Uh, uh, you know, someone on that tier, people are still buying an Anthony Richardson or starting to get the hype of Drake Bay. Like, I think I would do that, use the super flex value. And it, maybe if I'm competing, maybe even a Daniel Jones type, you know, get if you need another quarterback, you lost Dak. I think you could use one of these Debbie assets for that. My unknown, who I mentioned before, is Rakeem Jarrett, the wide receiver for Maryland. Dante Demas definitely lost something with that injury more than I thought he would. And Jarrett's emerged along with a number of other receivers for a pretty high powered passing game there. He's leading them in receiving yards um, and in tied for second catches. Like he's definitely talented, but has never broke out. He's never going to dominate. I, I don't know where his draft capital is going to end up. I think it could be day, day two. I think it could be late day three. Um, he's a mystery to me. I'm still trying to figure out. All right. So my buy, get ready for this one. Um, I'm buying Brock Bowers, right? Um, so this is how much I'm willing to pay for Brock Bowers. Um, he should be viewed as your tight end four right now. 
in all of Dynasty. All right, you have Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Brock Bowers. All right, so I'm willing to give up George Kittle, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, anyone below them for Brock Bowers. The nice part is I think you can get a little bit on top of Brock Bowers for giving up like a George Kittle uh, when he actually is going to play. But that's what I'm viewing right now as that value is Brock Bowers is my tight end four right now. Who I'm selling is a bit of a different story. I am just going to go after Nelly because I feel like he deserves it. And we're selling Sean Tucker. Um, he didn't, he didn't beat the Purdue test, right? Did Purdue clap your cheeks? Yes or no. If Purdue did clap his cheeks, that means he's not going to be good in the NFL. That's just a fact. Um, against semi okay. Did you test that out? Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'll take your word. You want, do you want, do you want more info on that? No, no, I'll take your word for it. Oh, Nelly, you, you're in the, you're in the house now. Um, <laughs> oh no! So, it's this is by uh, at the real Adam underscore H. Uh, so it's did Purdue's defense clap your cheeks? Uh, Melvin Gordon did Purdue clap his cheeks? No. Was he a good fantasy running back? Yes. Uh, Saquon. Purdue did not clap his cheeks. He's a good running back. Jonathan Taylor. Purdue did not clap his cheeks. Good running back. Um, some players that Purdue did clap their cheeks, in case you're wondering, Nelly. Uh, Miles Sanders. Tevin Coleman. Uh, A.J. Dillon. Verdict still out on that one. Keyshawn Vaughn. Anthony McFarland. Isaiah Pacheco. Sounds like good prospects versus bad prospects to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just off of Sean Tucker. I think we have to be realistic with what this offense is. And right now it's a passing offense, right? And, and Sean Tucker's not going to get as much as many targets as we would want him to. So he's, it's going to be really difficult for him to kind of show that big body of work, especially for someone that is playing on a lesser team um, that struggles against solid defenses um so i'm i'm out on sean tucker right now someone i don't know what to do with um i'm gonna go to a team that i just have absolutely no feelings about and that's uh penn state and i just don't really know what to do with parker washington like he's fine um so far this season 10 receptions for 148 yards like against auburn he went four for 58. Like, okay. Right? If you're a top receiver, I want you to be doing a little bit more than that. And I realize they found a lot of production on the ground and going back to that run game. But that's got to start opening things up for the passing game, especially as you face kind of better defenses, especially in the Big Ten. But they got to figure that out or we basically have to kind of be out on Parker Washington as a top 100 asset. Fair look. I'll say as a Buckeye fan, Purdue did clap the cheeks of both J.K. Dobbins and Ezekiel Elliott, so. <laughs> Forgot that in the sample. Shut those two down, but. Uh... You know what? It's not, it's not the best sample size. <laughs> yeah, it's not 100%. Yeah, I can't offer that. Outliers. They're always outliers. Is out target like... share 100%? <laughs> nope. 
<laughs> so let's not go there. Yippa tippa? That's not a hundred percent. That's yards per team pass attempt. Yippa tippa. Um, but that's it for us here at the Debbie Marketplace. Hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure you get into that Discord and we can have conversations like the value of these Devi players at any time you want. And it's 100% free. So make sure you join. So go ahead and get in there. Um, you can find the link to the Discord wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hit the description, hit that link, and join us. Um, but for all of us here at the Debbie Marketplace, we just want to say thank you so much for listening and we appreciate every single one of you.